Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And hello once again. It's Will McLaren and Jamie Tozer. And this is THN on the Q brought to you by BetMGM. Uh, so uh, I guess full disclosure here, Jamie, we are taping on Valentine's Day. And uh, I would say it's a safe bet that uh, our thoughts on Valentine's Day are probably uh, best uh, captured by the fact that uh, we were spending the evening uh, recording a podcast <laughs> on the QMJHL. There's nobody I'd rather be spending the evening with, Will, than you and a, uh, producer Connor. What a what a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful thought. I, I, I think Connor is rather smitten. I am conflicted. But you know what? I'll take it as a compliment. Why not? You know what? There are far worse people that that right exactly. In time. So, oh, far far worse. You yes. know, we could start listing them, but you know, we don't <laughs> want to offend any. They might yeah. be viewers, and we're trying to hold on to those. Yeah. So we're going to uh, just leave it at that. But uh, you know, speaking of the topic of uh, love, Jamie, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's there's a couple of teams out there who um, aren't really feeling it uh, these days, but. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody in the league would love to see them face off in the postseason. It's the Halifax Mooseheads and the Gatineau Olympic. And uh, oh, oh boy, how much uh, how how much newsworthy content came out of that game? Uh, now, if it wasn't uh, enough that uh, you know there, there's been this back and forth between the two teams already from their previous uh, game in in Halifax, I was there, and Mathis Russo and Tristan Luno for some reason. You know, I, I don't think they're on one another's Valentine's card list, Christmas card list, or any other sort of Well, there is one list that they're on each other's, but uh, we can't say that on this broadcast. Um, but uh, that was that was just sort of the opening act, and Louis Robitaille staring down the Mooseheads bench after the uh, Gatton Olympic came over with a big home shootout victory on uh, Wednesday night. Um, but the kicker is um, Zach LaRue. Um, who was definitely not feeling the love with a fan in the uh, corner of the uh, slush puppy arena. And uh, uh, what do you make of uh, Zach's little um, uh, gesture, we will say uh, towards the fan there, Jamie? Yeah, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. Um, You know, even, even if he didn't make contact, just the, the thought of attempting to do that, it's not, it's not good. And um you can't make contact with a player like that or with a fan like that. You just can't do that. You no, know, it doesn't really even matter what, if they said anything or if they did anything, you just, you can't do that. Um, yeah. And I, you know, it kind of comes back to um, junior hockey is about developing these players to the next level. Um, and, you know, if, if LaRue is going to play for the Nashville Predators and go into Philadelphia, um, there's going to be far worse <laughs> things said to him. If I'm, if I'm it, gritty, my head's on a swivel. I can tell you that much. You, you've just got to you've got to learn to to control your emotions at this level. And Larue has repeatedly shown that he hasn't quite been able to do that yet. Uh, that's nine suspensions yeah. now. So uh, I, I would suspect this will probably be uh, another lengthy one. Yeah, definitely. And and just to sort of bring everybody up to speed here, we're going to attempt to do something here, uh, especially if uh, you end up following this on YouTube. Um, uh, we have Connor Somerville, our producer in the background, who's uh, ready to roll with a bit of footage. 
this was actually uh, tweeted out by uh, Yannick St. Denis uh, a day or so after the game. And this is Zach LaRue leaving the ice at the Slush Puppy Center on uh, Wednesday night. Um, you'll see here if uh, uh, we can get rolling um, in the crevice between the, the glass uh, panes. You know, he's he's shoving his stick in there. He, he gets a couple of decent whacks in at uh, what's uh, reported to be a 16-year-old fan. Um, you can see there once again. Um, and what's interesting about this, Jamie, too, is you can see at the very end uh, the official skating up to the door try and get you know get uh, LaRue moving along and off the ice. Obviously he must not have seen what LaRue did. Uh, otherwise that would for sure 10 times out of 10 end up uh, in in the officials report. Yep. And also there was there was no camera from the broadcast that was fixated on this as well uh, apparently because the league originally was not uh, originally came out and said there was going to be no suspension. And it wasn't until this footage uh, appeared and, uh, you know, you made a good point before it we went on air, Jamie. It almost looks like uh, like somebody ripped the footage off of a uh, security camera or something um, that uh, Yannick Saint-Denis up in Gatineau got his hands on and then uh, subsequently tweeted out. Only then did the uh, indefinite suspension uh, come into effect. And uh, we thank Connor as well for uh, pulling up that footage last second and uh, hopefully uh, providing us a little more content uh, context for anybody who's watching this on video. But uh, you know, you, you you like you've already said, Jamie. It's nine times, and you know what? Uh, you know, there there are dubious fans in every rink in the world, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've you know, and we've all been kind of like we've all been teenagers that uh, don't necessarily do the right thing uh, or say the right thing at the right time. Um, but you know, no, no matter no matter what's you know being said there with very very rare exception you would think it would take it should take something very very bad for even something close to a reaction like that but uh you know in the case of zach larue like you say this is suspension number nine and if i'm the nashville predators i'm looking at this and saying wow what like you know what what do we get ahead of ourselves here yeah. you know we invested a first round draft pick in this guy and if you're the halifax moose heads by the way this 25-game uh, point streak that was ended the following night in Drummondville um, coincided basically with LaRue's return to the lineup because he's that kind of guy. He's a game-changer. He can literally put the team on his back and and make a difference. And if you're Cam Russell and Sylvain Favreau, you're just shaking your head and you are you are incredibly disappointed over, over everything that's taken place. And for a team that you know, has been getting so many headlines for all the right reasons and deservedly so. This is the last thing any anybody wants to deal with at any time of year, let alone a team that's trying to contend for a league title. Yeah, and um, the comparison I came up with uh, when I wrote about this is back in the day, Mike Thomas. Uh, yeah. He was it felt like he was getting suspended every other week uh, back <laughs> during the 09-10 season. It seemed like he just could not find where the line was. Um, and I... And t- talk about bad takes exposed. I remember writing about how um, the off season of 2010, 2011, the C shouldn't bring him back as an overager, which is just a <laughs> horrendous take because Thomas was able to find where that line was um, and became a very effective player. Um, and it's just, it's odd that LaRue hasn't quite been able to find that line over two or three years now. Um, and yeah. like you said, the Mooseheads just have to be disappointed uh, with this. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, ironically, Mike Thomas ended up uh, hoisting that Memorial Cup as the captain of the Sea Dogs. So, you know, good yeah. call, bud. Um, <laughs> I'm aware and, of it. I call myself out at least. That, that being said, I had the same thoughts on Mike Thomas back in the day as well and was pleasantly surprised with how he turned things around. So can Zach LaRue turn it around? Who knows? I mean, you hope for everybody's sake the answer is yes. Um, but, you know, we got to see proof. And so far, the only proof that we're seeing is him, you know, basically trying to make fans eat his stick. So it's uh, certainly not a good look. And... Uh, and and nothing that anybody wants to deal with at any time of year, like we said. So you know, we mentioned the Moose. They uh, they finally lost one in, uh, in regulation um, a couple days after this game in Gatineau. That was in Drummondville. And speaking of the Voltigeur, they're back in the news this week as well uh, because they're in the market for a new GM. Philip Boucher has resigned from the Voltigeur, and what just adds another layer of of oddity to this, uh, Jamie. He's not the only GM. Who uh, who is no longer at the helm of, of uh, their respective Q teams? Two guys out of that position within a span of a couple of days last week. Yeah, definitely a, a big day last week uh, with uh, Philippe Boucher uh, stepping down. Um, uh, definitely a bit of a surprise, just given that he was under contract for till uh, 2025, 26. So definitely a, mm-hmm. a surprising move there. But like we've talked about before, uh, the Volts are just a bit of a bit of a mess right now. Um, and certainly underperforming this season, um, and wouldn't be surprising to see some some big moves made there this off season if things kind of don't turn around. And although they are turning around a little bit, um, and then Pascal Du being fired uh, by the four, I thought that was a an even more surprising move, just given that um, they're not doing well. But that's what we expected them to, to not to do. Uh, they traded away their best players. Um, they're tumbling down the standings. Um, and then the four kind of oddly said that uh, the the firing was because of a lack of results versus expectations. Um, right. Even though I, I would assume the expectations are extremely low, um, mm. but definitely definitely an odd one. Uh, just given, I, I always find that a little bit odd for a GM to be fired this time of year because they had the trade deadline to to put their fingerprint on this team, um, and then all their work's just kind of over with, and they get fired now. Um, I know they had the draft to work with, but, you know, you can't reverse what happened at the trade deadline. No, and, you know, to compact that as as well, you know, okay, the draft is on June 10th, so there's a bit of a runway here. But, you know, this is a draft that will be conducted by uh, a GM who is far less familiar with mm-hmm. the organization and most likely um, at his disposal will be a scouting sp- staff that um, – was not led by him. It was led by his predecessor. So it's, it's a very tricky situation. And I agree with, you know, what you just mentioned there, especially in the case of uh, Pascal Daou, you know, a team president, Danny Marchand is the one who came out with those comments about a lack of, of results versus expectations. Well, what, what did you expect this year? I mean, everybody knew, like everybody knew in, in June that, that Justin Robida was being traded to the Quebec Rampart uh, at Christmas, which is exactly what happened. Um, and as far as results when the team was at its best, you know, that team invested very heavily in a trip to the President Cup final in 2021. They made it to the final. They lost in six games to the Victoriaville Teague. But I mean, you know, yes, they they... They would have been the favorited team in that series, but at the end of the day, they 
they they lost to another strong team and they came within an overtime goal and a game and an additional game away from clinching uh, a league title in very yeah. difficult circumstances in a protected bubble environment. So yeah. I, I don't quite understand the lack of results versus expectations common. It maybe it, it kind of makes you think, you know, is that just, uh, is that just, you know, um, sort of, you know, glossing over uh, other feelings, you know, it's not really our place to say one way or the other, but certainly looked like the results were exactly what we would have expected from the four uh, over the last two, three years, both on the upside and on the downside. And yeah. Of course, yeah. I do and wonder about their draft. Bush. I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. No, uh, go on there, Jamie. <laughs> I do wonder a little bit. <laughs> great, great transitioning here. Uh, I do wonder yeah, about their draft well. <laughs> bank a little bit, just because um, I looked at their draft picks earlier before the show and they have St. John's first round pick in the draft, which will obviously be very, be very high. Uh, but they don't have their own picks um, and they don't pick again until the third round. Um, and that's not great for a team that's now two years removed from a cup title. You, you maybe would expect them to have a little bit more uh, banked up by now. Right. You know, and in case of the Voltigeur, too, it should be mentioned, too, that uh, Philippe Boucher did cite um, personal reasons, uh, health mm-hmm. concerns for uh, uh, one of the reasons why he's stepping down. And I mean, you know, this, uh, you know, this season in Drummondville would not have been helping any of those, those personal situations, yeah. of course, you know, given, you know, the roster, it's not, as we said, just on this show last week, it's not a bad roster. In fact, they're now on a three game winning streak, including that big win over Halifax last week. So, I mean, it, it, this isn't a situation like Valdor. I mean, in fact, those are two teams that, you know, somewhat different ends of the spectrum. I mean, the Voltigeur are probably, you know, really a couple of years away from being at their peak, but, um, but they are certainly uh, closer to their peak than what the Voltigeur, uh, than what the Forer would be. So yeah. uh, interesting to see uh, um, what happens in both those locales. Of course, we wish uh, Philippe Boucher all the best. I had the opportunity to speak to him on a couple of occasions for uh Various articles over the years, always very uh, good with his time and good for, good with a quote, so we wish him all the best. And Pascal Daou as well, who's uh, equally accommodating, or has been uh, uh, with me anyway. And uh, we'll see what happens between now and June as those two teams uh, gear up for the draft. Um, so we're going to stick uh, in Quebec. In fact, we're going to go back to Gatineau to talk about something here uh, um, very eventful week for the uh, for the Olympic. There's the big shootout win, of course, versus uh, Halifax, which we've discussed at length. But uh, on the back end of that was uh, a couple of interleague games. Uh, the annual uh, home and home with the Ottawa 67s. The uh, Olympics swept it, uh, swept that series five two in Ottawa, four one in Gatineau. But uh, one of the things that makes that a very interesting result, Jamie, of course, is the fact that. Ottawa's top team in the OHL and Gatineau um, certainly full marks for uh, those results. Yeah, like a couple of statement wins, I think, for Gatineau. Um, they really beat Ottawa. I was actually quite surprised watching both those games. They were, I, mean, I would say, clearly the better team. Um, I don't know if Ottawa maybe took them a little lightly or if, uh, if Gatineau really is that much better than Ottawa, but um, I was I was a little bit surprised by how how good Otter, how good uh, Gatineau performed, um, and I would assume that's going to be a huge confidence boost for Gatineau um, moving forward. And I, I don't know how much they're going to be able to inch up the standings. They're in fourth now, 
um, and they're going to be in tough to move up past third. Um, so I think probably mm-hmm. knowing that they can beat uh, the OHL's top team, I, I think will be a big boost if, if they do remain the number four seed. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, it's like we've talked about all, all year, uh, the West is just uh, ultra competitive, you know, between, you know, Sherbrooke, Gatineau, Victoriaville, can't count it. We're in Randa. They've been holding their own. They're a tough, they're a tough out every, uh, every uh, time you face them as well. So um, yeah, uh, as far as where they'll land, tough to say, but um, there's going to be a lot of jockeying uh, for those top positions. That's for sure. But you know, it brings up another topic too. Um, you know, back in the day, which I say on this broadcast every week, because, you know, when I'm not busy, you know, yelling at clouds and, you know, doing all those things, taking the ferry to Morganville and whatnot. I'm talking, you know, I'm I'm also discussing things of the past. Uh, and, you know, at one point, it wasn't just Ottawa Gatineau. You know, the interleague series, you know, Grand Randa has participated before. I believe Blainville did at one point. Uh, the Sudbury Wolves have been involved in terms of OHL teams. And it, it raises the question, like, First of all, would we want to see more interleague play? But would we would we think about the uh, the CHL maybe looking into it? Uh, all, all, and when I say that, I mean all three leagues of incorporating on some level interleague play across the board. Yeah, I think I think it's time. That, I think the time has come uh, that this needs to be looked at. Uh, a lot more significantly than it has been in the past. And like we've talked a little bit about in, the, in a, a bit on the show this year, I think there's just, there, there's too much. I don't, I know they're not meaningless games for the regular season games. They matter, but there's too many meaningless games during the regular season. And I think we need, we need to do something with the schedule to create a little bit more meaning throughout the year. Uh, and I think a lot of us would love to see these unique matchups, especially if they're big matchups like this Gatineau Ottawa game. Um, and I was thinking a lot about this Gatineau-Ottawa game. Uh, it was obviously excellent because they're both at the top of their cycle. Um, and we don't see that all the time with interleague play. So I think it'd be interesting to see um, teams kind of plan these out years in advance, kind of like we see in college sports. You look at a college football schedule right now. Um, there's games planned out for several years in advance. Um, and I kind of wonder if, you know, a team like, uh, moving forward, Gatineau, they know that they're probably going to be good again in four or five years. Why not look at a WHL team that's going to be good in four or five years and give them a test? Um, well, but I think yeah. the big big question is, what do, what do those games mean? Like, how do, how do those games count? Um, and, like, is it just another game, or does it actually have some meaning? Yeah, and, and that's a good point. Um, in fact, just to take this a step further, um, talking to somebody in the press box, actually, at the, at the World Juniors, um, and this is a little bit unsubstantiated, but allegedly the CHL before COVID uh, hit was looking at maybe in 2021 or thereabouts um, going uh, going with a, a, a bit of an interleague schedule, uh, which would have involved, it probably would have mainly involved some of the larger market teams. Like yeah. here, it would have been Halifax, you know, Halifax, Moncton, Quebec, Gatineau, maybe St. John. So some mix of geographic as well as financial or, you know, market status. Um, In the OHL would have been obviously the London Knights, probably like the Windsor Spitfires and the 67s. And then out West would be your Portland Winterhawks, your, 
know, your Calgary Hitmen, your, you know, teams like that, maybe like a Regina or a Saskatoon or something like that, Winnipeg, um, and, and to somehow drop the schedule. Um, you know, now if you're, if you're looking at it from a standpoint of, you know, big market versus small market, it does get tricky because I mean, you know, not all your big market teams are always contenders and, you know, vice versa with the small, with the smaller markets as well. But, um, uh, it, it, it would be, I would love to see it come back to the table if in fact it was on the table to begin with. Like, uh, you know, we talked, you know, we just, uh, I just talked about this uh, on another podcast uh, last week, uh, podcast, podcast whose host we will be talking about in a couple of seconds, ironically. Um, and, you know, I, I did say, you know, with, you know, with Gilles Corteau leaving, new commissioner coming in, that's another effusion of young blood or presumably younger blood coming into the hierarchy of the CHL. Dan McKenzie is now the president of the CHL after Dave Branch had that post for years and years and years. And you're going to, I think you're going to start to see some of these new ideas gain a little bit more traction as we go along. And I think it's exactly what the CHL needs. Um, you know, like no offense to the other teams in the Maritimes, but, and Jamie, I'm not to put words in your mouth, but I'd be surprised if you disagree. Um, I'm pretty sure we could all do without one or two maritime rivalry, quote unquote, games off the schedule in lieu of something very different. Because if you bring, you know, the London Knights or the Ottawa 67s or the Portland Winterhawks into um, Scotiabank Center here in Halifax, you're getting 10,000 people. Doesn't matter what part of the cycle they're on. Yep. And I, I also, when the, when the TV schedule came out this year for, for TSN, um, I'll be honest, I've, I found it really underwhelming, the matchups. I agree. Um, and I think we, we've got to do something to, I don't want to say, you know, <laughs> to manipulate the schedule, but we've got to do something to create these big games uh, that can be played on a big stage. Um, and I don't think people want to wait to, for a one week every year um, for the Memorial Cup to see these big matchups. I think we got to look at some creative ways um, even if it's a tournament, maybe during, during mm -hmm. the season, I think we've got to kind of, I think we kind of kind of move away from this. Well, we got to stick to the regular season. You know, we play these exact games against these exact opponents. That's the way it is. The points are set up so that, um, uh, we can all get, get the proper home ice advantage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think we need to kind of get, get out of that mind frame a little bit and, and look at some new ideas. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And with the attendance numbers, you know, really in all three leagues uh, being where they are right now. Um, I, I think it's it, it, it's kind of maybe an obvious thing that uh, has to be looked at. So, uh, you know, we said that we were going to uh, uh, talk about uh, a couple of other podcasters that we know fairly well. Um, they tie into our mailbag once again. Uh, our friends uh, Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher over at the uh, Moncton Wildcast. Um, apparently... Uh, us reading their question on air fulfilled a lifelong goal. Wow. Um, you know, I'm humbled. I'm sure Jamie, you are as well. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, you know, I mean, I, I can't really think, I mean, you know, getting married was big for me and, you know, uh, you know, graduating and, and things like that. And, you know, my first broadcast, I was big, but you know what, you know, making the Moncton Wildcast life, I don't know. You know, it's a, it's right up there. It's certainly right up there. Definitely, so definitely. And we, and we feel so strongly about this that, you know what, when they threw another question our way, we said, well, we'd be stupid not to read it on air. Right. 
And the question is, do you think the league should permanently move to three divisions of six like they had during the 2020-2021 season instead of three divisions of four and one division of six? So uh, some background on this. Um, four divisions in the queue right now. You've got the West, the Central, and the East, all the Quebec-based teams, and then all six maritime teams are in their own division. What um, what Adam and, and uh, Jeremy are mentioning here is just to go to three divisions of six. So basically, you're eliminating one of the Quebec divisions. Jamie, any hard thoughts on this one way or the other? I, I'm a little indifferent about this, to be honest. Um, I, and you know, I, I would. I'm guessing that if they did move back to the three division format, that would go back to the one versus sixteen playoff setup. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest, I, I there's probably some math to look into it, but I don't know if there's been more if there's been better first round matchups under this current setup as opposed to the the one versus 16. I'm not sure if there's been more upsets, but it doesn't feel like there's been a huge amount. So um, I, I, I'm a little indifferent about it. I do know that if they keep the current setup as is with the conferences, um, and I mentioned this before, I would like to see um, for the Eastern Conference anyway, the Maritimes division teams play the East division teams um, a little bit more just because it's kind of weird to have them in the conference but not play them. Uh, both yeah. teams more than the Western Conference teams. Yeah, and that's what I was going to bring up with this example too, the the three division idea. Um, first of all, I am, I guess I am a little more of an advocate for the one versus 16, uh, lack of upsets notwithstanding, only because it gives your best teams and, and whoever comes out of this league, oh, as, as you know, Jamie, that's who's representing you on the national stage. It gives those top teams the best possible advantage to um, to make it to the Memorial Cup. So I have no issues with that. Um, I understand the rationale of having uh, tougher first-round matchups, but uh, at the same time, you, you, you play 68 regular season games and finish first for a reason, and that's to get the, the easiest road, and if, if – If the playoff format can help you in that matter, why not? Um, The other side of it, too, with the three divisions of six, and much to your what you just mentioned there, Jamie, I would like to see um, a situation if it was, let's say it was to go to the the three of six, um, as they call it a maritime and an east and a west or whatever, um, I would want to see the six teams in the easternmost part of Quebec in that division play the maritime teams with more regularity, um, for sure, at, at, at the very least. Um, bring a little more balance to the schedule. Um, I think it's a little bit trickier to do under the three-division format as opposed to the conference format, but I definitely want my cake, and I want to be able to eat it too. And um, if, if, if there's a way that would allow both of those things to take place. Um, I would have no issue with it, but you know, at, at the end of the day, I think my answer is whatever, whatever gets us more matchups with a Quebec pace team here in the Maritimes uh, during the regular season, much to your point, Jamie, and whatever's the easiest uh, playoff road for the top teams that have earned that right. I'm fine with that. Yeah. And that this is something I've been thinking about quite a bit lately is where there's been rumors of some, 
some relocations over the past couple of years and mm-hmm. uh, Bathurst, for example, if Bathurst were to move to the Montreal area, um, that really changes the division format uh, big time like that. Really? <laughs> that's like oh, a, yeah. a league league altering move. Just that one move really alters everything. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious to see, I'd be curious to know what the league actually thinks about this. Cause I wonder if they're kind of just pumping the brakes on any changes just to see how these, uh, this movement plays out. Possibly, possibly, and I mean uh, the the uh, the format for divisions and conferences tend to change with a bit of rapidity uh, throughout the uh, throughout the years in the league as well. Sometimes due to relocation, sometimes not. But uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there's a little bit because the league has been stable in terms of real in terms of franchises being where they are for a decade. Mm-hmm. So um, for sure, I think it's something that they, the league would want to keep an eye on if they think there's the possibility of that happening. And um, But uh, good question, uh, Adam and Jeremy. Keep those questions coming in. Uh, if you've got a comment, if you've got a question, if you've got a complaint, which, I mean, I mean how could you complain about this? Um, Although I'm sure some of you would uh, be more than willing to give it a try. (laughs) Send us anything you've got. And uh, within reason, we will uh, actually read it on the air. Uh, I'm available at Will McRider. Jamie's at station underscore nation on the Twitter machine. Please feel free to send us your comments. NHL team profile time, and uh, this is going to be a short one to this week, uh, Jamie. Uh, it's the Washington Capitals, a uh, team that's really kind of on the back end of uh, what's been uh, uh, a series of uh, highly competitive teams. Of course, your 2018 Stanley Cup champions, um, and uh, but you know definitely on the back end of that uh, Ovechkin era, Ovechkin Backstrom era, if you if you will. Um, and as far as players uh, from the queue that are going to come and uh, maybe uh, represent some fresh blood, well, they don't actually play in the queue because there are no uh, queue players drafted by the Caps in the league uh, this year. But there is a big name in the AHL with the Hershey Bears, and he already has some NHL experience. Yeah, Hendrix Lapierre, uh, obviously a name very familiar to junior hockey fans in this country. Um had a great junior career that, that probably could have been a lot better. Uh, his numbers could have been a lot better if he was able to stay healthy. And then there's the COVID season as well, but still put up some pretty good numbers. Um, yeah, started last year, like you mentioned, started last year uh, in the NHL before getting sent back to Bathurst and was a, a key player for them. Um, having really a pretty, pretty decent uh, first full year as a pro, uh, 23 points in 46 AHL games. That's pretty solid for... Uh, player his age for sure and uh you know uh, you know you have to think just a matter of time before uh, he uh, gets called back up one other ahl guy with the hershey bears and by the way talk about teams that have been around forever and ever and i'm literally i mean that literally the hershey bears like you know, you know back you know if you were watching the ahl in the 30s you were watching the hershey bears we all were it's, it's, as, as as we were, yes, exactly. Streaming. Actually, and there, yes, exactly. Streaming at your local service provider, blah blah blah. Uh, and actually, actually, that's a, a question for you, Jamie. I don't know if this would have predated your um, odyssey around all the rinks of North America. Did you ever go to the original Hershey Park Arena? 
No, I have been to the new one, but the old one still exists. Um, and a college team actually plays there. So I'm hoping to get back down there to see a college game. And the Bears practice there quite a bit too. Nice. One of the more unique uh, rounds yeah. around. Yeah, for sure. So uh, if you, uh, whenever you do get back there, we're going to have to have a special segment here. Yes. And uh, we'll uh, we'll discuss your uh, your travels. And also uh, to mention as well, Zach from Cali. A member of that 2013 uh, Mooseheads uh, Memorial Cup team, highly toted goaltender and junior. He's had a cup of coffee in the NHL, including a shutout in his first ever NHL game, but still uh, holding the fort for the Bears. Uh, a couple of ECHL guys with the South Carolina Stingrays, another long-standing team, by the way. The Stingrays have been around almost as long as I think the ECHL itself. But uh, Alexander Fortin and uh, Martin Haas, who, of course, we got to see at the Memorial Cup last uh, June in St. John with the QMJHL champion, Shawinigan Cataracts. Uh, started out in the OHL. COVID sort of put a wrench into things. He came back uh, with Shawinigan and won a title. And then there are the QMJHL alumni, uh, former teammates in Valdor. There's, of course... Anthony Mantha, who's uh, by far the uh, one of the uh, guys who was instrumental in that 2014 Valdor President Cup run, and noted Stanley Cup denter Nicholas Obey Kubel. <laughs> and both both came. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they both that Valdor team they lose in the Memorial Cup final that year. Uh, semifinal. They semifinal? went to triple okay. overtime yeah. against yeah, yeah, yeah. Edmonton. Yeah. yeah, so really close to winning a Memorial Cup and. Yeah. Avi Kubel, boy, he's been a real journeyman the past couple of years. He's played for quite a few teams um, in recent mm-hmm. years. Um, and Mantha, Mantha still has a bit of a bit of a, a, a link to the league. His sister is still refereeing some in the league. He re- she That's refereed right. a couple, yeah. refereed a couple Seagulls uh, games last week uh, in Rouen, Valdor. Yep, I had a chance to talk to her uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, excellent, excellent family, and just yeah, she's. Uh, you can you can tell like she the, the passion for the game. I mean they they do come from an NHL family. Uh, there I always get this wrong, and I apologize to the Mantha family for me getting it wrong for the hundredth time. But I do believe it was Claude Pronovo or Marcel Pronovo, one of the two, uh, from back in the original six six days of the NHL, is their grandfather. Um, so the the bloodlines run deep, and uh, you know, Mantha is still producing uh, fairly well. For the Caps, and as you said, his sister, a uh, well-respected official in the queue. CH, our uh, 2023 draft prospect of the week. And now we're going to go to the Cape for this one. Um, You know, uh, Jamie, we uh, here in Halifax, we get about, uh, I don't know, about 25 centimeters of snow dumped on us uh, um, overnight last night. Um, uh, Apparently, Cape Breton is digging out from over a foot. They really got hammered, and uh, one of the guys who uh, uh, may very well be out there with a shovel right now <laughs> trying to do what he can uh, is uh, Luke Patterson, uh, center for the Eagles and uh, a national champion at the under-18 level uh, who in his first full year in the league has been solid and um, put up decent numbers considering uh, the jump that he's made. Yeah, interesting that he's ranked 124th amongst North, Amer- North American skaters um, and played under 18 last year. I feel like we don't see that big of a, a jump um, and then immediately on central scouting uh, very often. So um, obviously caught the eye of scouts with some strong plays so far. Um, didn't make the Eagles last year. I think he played in six or seven games, um, got sent back to the Moncton Flyers, uh, which was 
uh, <laughs> pretty much a Q team anyway. I think almost half that team's playing yep. the league this year. So I uh, was a captain of that team. They're, they're, uh, they're a playoff team in the Q last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, captain of that Moncton Flyers team, 52 points in 30 regular season games. So obviously an excellent season for him. Captain them to the Telus Cup. Um, and having another pretty having a pretty good year with the Cape Breton, uh, a young Cape Breton team uh, that he's going to really be part of this core of moving forward. I think even if he doesn't get drafted this year, just given that this is his first real Q season, I think he's still got a pretty good chance to go pro. Um, so I think we'll see some pretty big numbers from him over the next couple of years as this Eagles team grows together. Yeah, and I would say you're right in that regard, Jamie. You know, I mean, uh, the exposure of a national championship at the under-18 level shouldn't be discounted. But, you know, one year in junior and, and then immediately going into your draft year, sometimes it puts you behind the eight ball in terms of actually getting selected. But it certainly uh, wouldn't take him off the radar of uh, of a lot of teams. And I think he is, you know, between wearing the C uh, for a national championship team and 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 uh, producing fairly decent for uh, for uh, a Cape Breton team that's had its ups and downs this year. Uh, let's let's uh, call it spade a spade. Uh, you know, he he's shown more good, uh, more positive than than anything else. So interesting to see how he progresses in the years to come. Um, and speaking of the future, well, that about does it for us. But there's another big week ahead as the stretch drive continues in the league. Jamie, uh, anything in particular uh, standing out for you uh, you're looking forward to this week? Yeah, I'm looking way at the bottom of the standings this week. There's pretty good race developing nice. <laughs> for, the last, <laughs> for the last few playoff spots. Um, a lot of that has to do with uh, Valdor, like we mentioned, really tumbling down the standings. Uh, they've got the last playoff spot right now, uh, but St. John's just two points back. Um, and Charlottetown's just two points ahead of Valdor. Um, so a great race developing in St. John and Charlottetown play Saturday and Monday in St. John. So a couple of key games there. Um, and I know we mentioned the Spice Girls performance a lot on the show. Uh, big weekend in St. John. They've got uh, Elton John tribute on Friday, Tina Turner tribute on Saturday, and Lady Gaga tribute on Monday. So a big week. Uh, I feel they day. haven't invited uh, Gardner McDougal back in a couple of months. <laughs> we're going to see Gardner <laughs> yeah. back. To, uh, yeah. Drop a talk. Yeah, he's got a buy shirt. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, come on, let's let's get Gardner back. So, maybe, you know, maybe he's got the pipes. We don't know. Like, like, get up on stage, Gardner, and let's just show us all your talents. I'd love to see that. <laughs> that is perfect, Jamie. We'll be looking forward to all of it as it takes place. Uh, but for now, we will call it, and we will call it the podcast. And uh, thank you once again for listening. It's been the Hockey News on the queue, brought to you by BetMGM. He's Jamie. I'm Will. And another big thanks, of course, to Connor Somerville doing all the hard work behind the scenes. We'll catch you a week from now.